welcome back to another episode of JP and the Beans Talk. You bet. We're here. The energy is palpable. It is flowing. It is oozing in the gym. Yes, it is. A lot of ooze. A lot of ooze. Yeah. Yeah. Sticky. Moist. Noticeable. Perhaps a bit uncomfortable. But it's ooze. It's there. How about that? Hey, so, uh, you know, we're, we're here. We saw a little Ant-Man movie. Recently, we'll probably we'll probably have some things to say about that. Ants. That's pretty great. How about that? The first Marvel movie Ants. of 2023. Oh, that's great. That's good. Yeah. More or was it? We'll talk about Ooh, it in a sec. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't spoil it yet. Although there will be plenty of spoilers. We're very spoilers yes. people. Yes. This yeah. is true. Yeah. Yeah. You really are. You really are. Um, you know, on the topic of bugs, ants have never really bothered me. Right. Like, there's a lot of ants in a place. I'm not bothered by that. My wife, on the other hand, just about loses it when she sees ants. It's not a good thing for her. Doesn't care for them. Really bothered by it. For me, I don't know about you, but for me it's more about spiders. Not a big spider guy. Not not very excited when I see a spider. Doesn't even have to be a big spider. It can just be a spider. Don't love them. What about you? My thing Mm. that I don't like... It's my number one fear in the world. Oh my. My number one fear in the world is parasites. Uh-huh. So anything inside the body that likes to feed off me. Yeah. Yeah. So that for is. instance, yeah. aliens. Like from alien. Sure. Terrifying. Yep. Yeah. Um scary concept, not great. The brood from X-Men comics, right. my worst nightmare. Okay. I don't like ticks. Ticks mm-hmm. terrify me. Mm-hmm. They carry Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. I still don't know what that does because it scares the living piss out of me. I don't want to know. Don't tell me what Lyme disease is. Keep your distance from both the disease, the knowledge of the disease, and the bug that carries it. My cousin got bit by one apparently and can't eat meat for three years at least. What? Wow. Can you imagine not eating Being meat? forced to be a vegetarian because of a freaking tick? I would die. You'd kill me then. But my point is, okay, I don't like them, the idea of them, like, latching onto me, planting eggs in me, and then leaving. Mm -hmm. That's a terrifying thing. So That's probably okay to be uncomfortable. Yes. If we ever go to a park or something and there's long grass, I won't go in. So on when, account of the potential for ticks. Right. So there were ultimate frisbee, or not ultimate frisbee, (laughs) frisbee golf. Places. Yeah. I don't mind disc yeah. golfing, but if I, lo- the weeds. if I lose one in the weeds, somebody else can yeah. go get it or it's, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. I don't want to do it. Yeah. So. That, fair disc with you. That's where I'm at. That's fair. No, that's fair. Yeah. Did you ever see the original, uh, the original, the Peter Jackson King Kong movie? With Jack Black? With Jack Black. The one that's three and a half hours long? It's not yes. short. Yeah. Do you remember the scene in that movie where they have made it to Skull Island, the groups have diverged, and the group that includes Adrian Brody's character, Jack Black's character, and, uh, oh, for crying out sideways, why am I blanking? Andy Serkis, Andy Serkis' character. They fall into this... Mm, canyon area swampy is all get out and there's about let's say 30 dudes in the group right and in the span of 
what feels like a very long, drawn out time, but it's really only like two minutes. About 26 of these 30 guys, including Andy Serkis, sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen it, get uh, devoured by giant bugs. That is probably my least favorite movie scene of all time. Like, I can't think, when I think of, man, what movie scenes do I wish I had never seen and never want to see again? That is all time number one. It, it's and it's like so drawn out and slow. Like it, it builds in a really effective way where, hey, one guy gets taken down. But what's gross is that all the creatures are like slowly emerging. Oh, yeah. Shivers. Shivers. Uh, and to the point where all of a sudden they just get, all the guys just get overwhelmed. And it's, oh, it's tough. Andy Circus is really hard, really hard in that scene. I think it goes like arm, arm, and then head. It's been... It's tough. It's been, I'm, I'm really upset that I'm talking about it. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Yeah. And I'm thinking my brain blocked that out. Good. And thank God it did. That sounds awful. It's so bad, It sounds so bad. It's so bad. Not a single one of them die in, like, well, that's not too bad fashion. We were looking at it going, if I died like that, I could die like that. No, it's... Uh, no. So, no thank you on the bugs. But, you know what? We willingly went and saw a movie about a guy named after bugs. And not the primary bug guy that we love, Spider-Man. But the guy that has opened up our hearts, caused us to believe, snuck in through the tiniest of crack because he can as the Ant-Man. In the persona of Paul freaking Rudd. Don't forget the other bug person. Who am I forgetting? Wasp. Well, you're right. You're right. <laughs> that would be a topic. The, the other we'll person. like that was an accident. The oh, other... wait. The movie was called The Ant-Man and the Wasp? I, I say, forgot. The other person on the... the t- movie did, too. <laughs> the other person on the title card? Yeah! Oops. Fair enough. Whoops. Fair enough. We'll fair get enough. to that. <laughs> we will. We will get to that. But, hey, we went and saw the movie together... Like good friends do, just pals being buds. Yes, we did. And uh, and we didn't sit by each other this time, which was you know, I, I, yeah. was different. It was different. It was different. It was different. It's okay. We'll it was, let that happen again. No, I, th- I think so too. No, to- totally soiled the experience. We'll throw Dan in the bag. <laughs> we love you, Dan. So Miles, Ant Man, as it turns out, and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. That's going to be the main topic, the main meat. Of this particular turkey leg of a podcast, I keep I can't get away from the turkey legs. I think I'm constantly hungry for them. But I digress. I'm the same way. About to take over. I'm hey, I'm the same way. Hey, we're gonna do a recap. We're gonna bust through it because I think we were entertained by that movie, Riley. That I was entertained it by was that. Great. Movie. It was great. It was good. Was it not great? It was great. I liked it a lot. Absolutely, thoroughly entertained. Now there will be some nits to pick, and we will pick said nits. We'll also do a little bit of a uh, scoreboard check, which will be a little awkward, on the who lived and who died uh, from our previous pod. Still fun, even when, you, you know... Oh, we lost, by the way. Sometimes it, it's so glorious, you just have to, you just have to lean into it mm-hmm. and just say mm-hmm. it happened. Um, but I think there's some entertainment value to get out of that. So we will... And then we'll talk a little variance action because that's just coming out of the yin-yang. 
and we'll probably spend some time discussing the uh, shape, girth, and I mean absolute firmness of Jonathan Major's muscles because they are plentiful. Oh, in the quantity because there's a lot of them, and they are bulbous and exquisite. If you're wondering what we're referring to. You go to Men's Health, you look up Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, mm-hmm. but we are now. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Majors, Men's Health. I don't think he's human. It's terrifying. Yeah. That dude could eat me. Oh. He's a big boy. He, he, he is chiseled. He is jacked. Yeah. That is, hmm. And I can't tell if he got that jacked for Kang or he got that jacked for Creed Three, Or if he got yes. that jacked for both. Yes. You think it's more for Creed? I think it's both. I think when you're in, listen, when you're in a boxing movie, you don't want to be the guy in the boxing movie that looks soft, right? Right. So I don't think there's any question that, hey, uh, you need to you need to be prepped like that. That's some pretty powerful motivation. Millions of people are going to see you shirtless in a boxing ring. You better be prepped to uh, to look the part, right? At the same time, when you're being offered the role of the next major MCU villain that's supposed to be around for movie upon movie, you probably want the physical persona to go with it. And if you're not blessed with Tom Hiddleston's, uh, this is going to be a strange phrasing, but I'm going to lean into it anyway, graceful lankiness, you better find a different uh, a different path to take. And Jonathan leaned into the jacked path. And it worked out pretty well. I'd say he found his way. Finding his way is an understatement. I think he made the path. Oh, my. I think he paved the way. Yes. That uh, dude is huge. Incredible. Incredible. So we'll definitely circle back to that because how, how can you not? So let's, by way of recap, do a little, uh, you know, just kind of on-the-surface recap of Ant-Man <clears throat> and the Wasp. Quantum Mania. So we find our boy, Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, Scott Lang, in the fine city of San Francisco, I assume it's a fine city, never actually been, but looks pleasant in the movies. So, good place for Scott to be. Living it up in San Fran, soaking in the easy life at this point, right? He's done his he's done his work. He's literally done the time in the slammer. He's come out of the slammer, emerged as an Avenger, as a hero, helped save the world. That's pretty good. And now he's written a book. And apparently it's a killer book. Too. A little autobiography from Scotty Lang. Good on you, Scotty. He's doing book readings. That would just be delightful. Wouldn't, it? wouldn't that be the life if you're just like going to bookstores, doing book readings of your own book, and people are just adoring it? About yourself as well? <laughs> that's, that's really the trifecta. Right. <laughs> reading <Right>. a book. <laughs> well, back people when... Love it. Also, it's about you. Back when I first started doing this. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Well, Scott is yanked out of his peaceful existence thanks to his daughter, Cassie, who apparently has just gone full genius on us and has developed a portal into the quantum realm, which she doesn't realize it's a portal, right? She says, hey, it's a uh, radar of sorts. Beacon. Beacon. There it is. There's the word, beacon. But, of course, because this is a movie that we're going to have to hang out in the quantum realm, it proves to be a portal straight to the quantum realm. So... Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and the original Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Cassie all get sucked into the quantum realm. Now, hold on just a minute. Hold on just a minute. Before we get too far ahead, 
the movie actually opens up with a banger of a flashback scene between the aforementioned Jonathan Majors and one of the two wasps that we have in this movie, none other than Janet and... The, the um, elder wasp. The elder wasp, the OG, the original The queen herself. wasp. Interesting. We'll have to come back to that. Yeah, the queen wasp. Uh, great opening scene, because we get to see Janet in the quantum realm. We get to see the origin of Kang's arrival in the quantum realm, and there's an immediate tag team effort to fight off some beasts in the quantum realm. Mutually beneficial, and we see that, aha, there's a bond here. And Janet, in the present day, is being awfully coy, awfully coy, with uh, with her fellow Wasp and Ant-Men about why she's hesitant to jump back into the quantum realm. Anyway, they end up in the quantum realm. They get immediately separated. Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man and the Wasp you doubled down. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, wait, that's not true, though. It's Ant-Man and the Wasps and Ant-Man and... Stature. Stature. They never used her name, did nope. they? No. Nope. They Cassie. haven't... I don't think they've made her a real, yeah, real yeah, hero have to yet. Okay, Stature, go about their separate paths, both of them discovering that, oh, Kang's here and he's a bad guy. Now, Janet knew this the whole time, which is a bit we may pick... A little bit. She's being a real turd. She's not being a helpful part of the team at this point. Being a real turd. Yep. We get a little. Uh, we get a little look at uh, brief, but nonetheless delightful at our guy Bill Murray. Thanks, Bill, for for popping in. Just because. I feel like that was just. I think he was just bored. Yep. I think Bill was uh, wh- bored. Why else? Yep. Is there like, hey, Bill you, was bored. What's up, Janet? Bored and then, bye bye. <laughs> yep. Krylar. Excuse me. It's Skylar. Krylar. Lord Krylar comes in, isn't helpful, except he is, just not in the way that he intended to be. And uh, in the meantime, Scott and Cassie are meeting the natives. The natives are getting attacked by Kang. And Kang's secret weapon, MODOK, a.k.a. Darren freaking Cross, from the original Ant-Man movie. Yellow Jacket himself. How great is that? Huge head, tiny legs, tiny arms. A lot of great laughs. And a very tiny butt, too. And a real, real tiny, real, real tiny tushy. Real tiny tushy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, very quite small. Uh, so, Ant-Man and the Wasps, I mean, I don't feel like they're working that hard, really, to find uh, Ant-Man and Stature at this point. It seems like they get distracted very easily. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bit strange, really. But King manages to find our guy, Ant-Man and Stature, and as good bad guys do, threatens our hero with his daughter's death and imminent demise if the hero doesn't steal, as you predicted, a heist, Riley, steal for him the device that Janet Van Dyne destroyed once upon a time. Because once Janet finally spills, we learn that, oh, I'm sorry, there's this dude down here named Kang. He's a conqueror of everything, most evil and most powerful guy I've ever encountered. She didn't come out and say that he's worse than Thanos, but she could have come out and said he's worse than Thanos. And, and the fact that he had a ball yep. that had a lot of power, and yep. then she made that ball bigger. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't use that ball anymore. Right. A uh, few details. Yes. Out there. Yes. A few dozen. And then the ball was therefore in his court. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well done. Well done. Lean right into the pun right. and just tee off on that ball. But yes. That's great. Uh, so Janet finally reveals all this uh, far too late at this point because Scott, of course, embarks on the heist. The younger wasp, the junior wasp, 
Green wasp. That's that's the meaning. I don't mean it that way. Um, you have elder wasp, green wasp, princess wasp. That just sounds weird. Hope. The primary wasp. The primary wasp. Thank you for rescuing me. Primary wasp assists. They get what it is that King looks for. King naturally isn't going to keep his promise. Fighting ensues. Fighting ensues. The ants come in thanks to the elder ant man. The ants come marching two by two. Hoorah. Yep. Hoorah. The ants go marching two by three. Hoorah. Hoorah. We could keep going, but then that'd be all that this podcast is. And we're not going to acapella just yet. Not yet. Um, our heroes manage One to more defeat Kang, primarily through the ants. A little bit through Scotty and Hope using the same trick that Janet did, which is, hey, smush together your your large disc, your small disc, turn it into a sandwich, and just smear it all over the thing you want to get rid of, and it explodes. Solid, solid idea. Comics. It works. Scott somehow doesn't get murdered by Kane, even though it's a fist fight. And as we mentioned, Jonathan Majors is in men's health. Paul Rudd was also in men's health. For but different reasons. They're, for yes. different reasons. Yes, for his skincare routine, probably. Yep, yep, probably moisturizes very well. Good for you, Paul. Jonathan don't moisturize, nor does he need to. Side note, they did bring him, they brought Paul Rudd on, like, uh, I think it was Jimmy Fallon, and they were comparing their two men's health covers between him and Jonathan Majors, <laughs> and it's hilarious. <laughs> That'd be worth a Google. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, Back incredible. on topic. Back on topic. So, King is... King is defeated. Our heroes return from the quantum realm to the real world. Scott's resume, or Scott, excuse me, gets to resume his happy San Francisco life, but with just this little, little poke in the back of his mind going, did we really beat the bad guy here? TBD, evidently. And as the end credits scenes seem to tell us, well, sort of, except there's more of those bad guys hanging out. A lot more. Hundreds, at least, of Kang variants out there looking to wage some war. And we got a little bit of tease for Loki Season 2, which we'll come back to. So there's there's your recap for the flick. Riles, you liked the movie. I did. What would you like about it? Well, I love Paul Rudd. Honestly, I think they did... Don't we all? Yes, I think they did a great job at balancing the um, father-daughter... Duo, I thought th- those two on screen together was actually really okay. compelling. Okay, um, they had good chemistry. They really did. I'd reflect on that for a minute, but a lot of times those kind of pairings can be very negative or not at all organic, and it worked. And she's pretty, so glad that helps you. Easy on the eyes. Okay. Um, where else was I going? That got distracted. Um, <laughs> Come back to me. You love Paul Rudd. Yes, you love, love Paul, Paul Rudd. I do love Paul Rudd. You love Paul Rudd. So I, their relationship was really great to explore. Mm. Um, I know Modoc probably had his love hates for people. I liked him a lot. I hope he comes back. I thought he was executed pretty well. And I think um. people have to realize if you have a problem with the character, he's not a serious villain. He's a he's a comic book weird villain. That's his job. Okay. He, he he's Crane from the Ninja Turtles. In a way, yes. Right. I mean, yes. And you can't take Crane seriously. The head's just Earth. different spots. Right. And they're right. different sizes. Yeah. Same kind of thing though. Yeah. Um. And what else did I like about this movie? Modok was great. Agreed. I I Kang is obviously a badass. Oh my. 
yeah. establishes dominance. Um, the final fight between him and Ant-Man and, mm-hmm. and Wasp, mm-hmm. fantastic. He was crushing him. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, when Kang shows up on the battlefield, it's not like, oh, this guy gets knocked down. This guy goes aside. No, it was that guy died, a that guy died, a that guy died, gone, vanished, vaporized. Mm-hmm. They were just gone. They weren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And he just annihilated people. Okay? And also just, I loved the importance of the ants in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ants had their moments. They shined more than some people in this movie. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> but just... Well, I neglected in my recap to mention that when the wasps and the Ant-Men and Stature all get stuck in the quantum realm, uh, and shame on me for this, the ants in the room go into the quantum realm also and level up in a big way. Oh, yeah. They become geniuses. <laughs> but I just... I right while that works. Can I go? I, right. <laughs> I, what I do like is that... They still were like, you know what? Ant-Man has the silly superpower mm-hmm. of being able to talk to ants. Mm-hmm. Let's still make that a focal point of this movie. You yeah. know? I mean, they didn't put one weird power off to the side. They used it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I think that's all I got. That's great. I thought it was wildly entertaining. Um, certainly not... like. Certainly not perfect, okay? So I'm not standing here going, hey, this is one of the most well-crafted, dialed-in superhero movies I've seen. But I think a big function of this movie for me is expectations, right? Like, I do expect it to make enough sense where I'm not sitting there the whole time going, oh, Transformers, geez, right? Uh, I do hold it to a higher standard than that. Transformers is fantastic. Transformers is fantastic. For what it is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's my point. Like when I when I watch a Transformers movie, shame on me if I'm expecting something akin to the Dark Knight. Right? This is gonna be entertaining for vastly different reasons. Giant robots fighting each other, and occasionally they're dinosaurs and soon to be gorillas. So <laughs> something, to, something to numb the brain to. <laughs> yeah. It's visual candy. It is. There are no vegetables involved here. We are straight up soaking in the sugar and the high fructose corn syrup. So now, Ant-Man does not go to that particular level of lunacy, but it's really entertaining and it takes itself just enough seriously to make just enough sense where... I was really okay with the vast majority of the nits that were there to pick. Now, I think there are aspects where I have questions as to, okay, are you really following your own rules here? Sometimes is, I think, the answer. And that's a really key component of a quality. You're talking about an elevated fantasy story, which is what comic books in general are and these movies are. When you're creating a fictional world, you get to set what the rules are. Then you got to follow your own rules. And so on the one hand, it's exciting. Like, hey, you can do kind of whatever you want. But, of course, whatever you want, it's up to you. You have to follow through on adhering to that to that structure. And there's clever workarounds to that, right? But what you cannot do is you cannot compromise your rules. They can adjust. They can grow. But you can't contradict your own rules. And there's times in this movie where it, it, it did. So I feel like if you're looking at it from kind of a broad lens, 
it's great, right? If you get up a little too close to some of the storytelling aspects, it's like, so, so the answer just geniuses? Why? Oh, no, they just are. Okay. But again, it's a choice. Do you want to like get up and nitpick that tight or do you just want to enjoy it? And so I understand two divergent paths. I chose to enjoy it for the most part. I, I thought it was one of the better Marvel movies we've seen in a while. I thought the tone was outstanding. It felt like it struck the right balance for this character of obviously there's plenty of comedy, plenty on the Ant-Man side. That is to be expected at this stage. But there were some what felt like stakes in the movie. And right? the, and like Ant-Man could have, perhaps should have died or at the very least been stranded in the quantum realm indefinitely. That's what I thought was going to happen. Right. And and the comedy wasn't forced. Correct. It was natural. Correct. It fat it, it fitted. It fat. <laughs> it fatted. It worked with the vibe <laughs> of the other two Ant-Man movies. Yes. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, why are they doing so much humor in this one? Uh-huh. No, it made sense. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did. And I think Kang, I think part of why it worked is Kang, unlike another Marvel movie that we've talked about that had a lot of humor, in this movie, Kang got enough screen time. And, and listen, he's not a character that's, that was cracking any of the jokes. Kang was great. Kang was somber. Even when Janet assumed that his intentions were altruistic or at least pure, uh, he, he wasn't trying to win her favor by by cracking wise. He was a straight line dude. This is not a guy, if you could get Kang to laugh, you might want to be nervous because I think if he's laughing, you're probably dead, right? Anyway, his presence and his sheer gravitas helped ground all of the humor that was orbiting around him so that it didn't feel like an overwhelming joke fest. I mean, there are plenty of things that were humorous, plenty of things to laugh about, but Kang was not one of them. And hey, dude, Jonathan Majors is an absolute freaking force. What a grand slam of a find to have this dude as not only in the MCU, but your primary villain hovering over the next who knows how many years of the MCU. <coughs> that is wild. Because where on earth did this guy come from? Right. It's crazy. This dude's a unit. He is. And obviously, we talk, and rightfully so, about his physical presence and his physique. Stupid. The guy has chops, Riles. His ability to just seamlessly portray different aspects of his character. And I don't just mean in this movie. I mean, he shows he shows range strictly in this movie. But when I watched the last episode of Loki season one, where Jonathan Majors makes his first appearance as a version of Kang, wildly different from Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania's version of Kang, clearly the same character, somehow... They are, but they're so different, and both of them feel entirely natural. That's incredible 
incredible acting. And for as much as I love Paul Rudd, I felt like he got hung out to dry a little bit in the scene where Kang is like threatening Cassie. I didn't quite believe Paul when he was like, hey, don't hurt my daughter. It's like, I could tell like, okay, Paul's acting. I can't tell that Jonathan Majors is acting. It's just a different level. That's no discredit to Paul. Jonathan's just a dude. I think he's just a just a dude. And Paul's a good actor, so again, I'm not trying to discredit him. Jonathan Majors is just on this transcendent level, man. I think part it's of nuts. I think part of that too, though, is like we've never seen Ant Man get pissed off, really. True. And we've never seen him be like Six never been this high for him. Right. He's never been. Yeah. He's never been serious. Mm-hmm. He's there's a reason he's always been like kind of like laid back, nonchalant, because yeah. he always gets it done. But like, yeah, he's never he's never gotten pissed off enough where he's like, oh, he's gonna try to kill my daughter. I will murder you if mm-hmm. you touch my daughter again. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's just I don't think it's a natural a natural place for right. him to be in. So I think that's also part of it too. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah. You have that switch. Yeah, pretty pretty wild. Um, so I, anyway, the, the tone was incredible. Jonathan Majors, and there are so many, I'm trying to think of another example, but there have been other movies, other stories where you can see the, the turn or the twist coming. And where I'm going with this is the opening scene of the movie. Great choice for an opening scene where it's teasing the story of how Kang met up originally with Janet Van Dyne, right? Once that part of the story is shared by Janet and we get to see her and Kang's interactions early on, like that's just like a, it's a serious and yet more tender side of Kang when Janet's sharing with him how much she misses her daughter and Kang, like he's being serious. Like he's being genuine about, hey, you're you're gonna see your daughter again. We're gonna make this machine work and I'm going to help you get back to your daughter. He's not lying to her. What she doesn't know, he's just leaving things out, (laughs) right? But he can follow through on it, and he, furthermore, he wants to, right? Like, there's actual empathy that he is expressing there to Janet. I don't think it's this manipulative piece. He is genuinely, in a very bizarre and yet true friend way, attached to her. And so when she sees his mind and goes, oh, wait a minute, this is one bad hombre, and turns on him, he takes that betrayal personally, right? Almost more so than her. Like, she fears him. He doesn't fear her. He's just pissed. He's like, hey, we we had a deal. We were friends. We had built this relationship. We had done all this work together, critical to both of us. I was going to take you back to your daughter, and you stabbed me right in the back. That is incredible character development just for Kang in just this one movie. That is a big win right there. Because I think, again, parallels are hard not to draw. I think what was so incredible about the character of Thanos in Infinity War is they made Thanos empathetic. Or at least they made the audience empathetic to Thanos when it shows his connection with Gamora. Right? It's like, oh, the, the dude actually has feelings. He's not just a big purple killing machine. He is that, but he's also, he's got some tenderness to him, right? So that, that's a big deal. And I think something the movie did as well as anything else that it possibly pulled off. So I was very impressed. 
Very impressed. I'm I'm definitely ready for more Kang and the fact oh. that he can just be in everything, uh, everything else, <laughs> right? I think. <laughs> You know, everybody's wondering who the Fantastic Four will go up against. It'll probably be a Kang. That'll be fitting for them. It'll probably be a Kang. So, I don't, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. he's arguably, if not, the like, the best thing in well, this movie, by far. Yeah, he, he's he's incredible. And I, I gotta say, I, I still find it to to get back on, hell, the, the, the title characters of Ant-Man and, and the Wasp. I still have a hard time actually trusting and believing, and I just saw it with my own eyes that we just got a third Ant Man movie in the Lost. Wild. <laughs> and I tell you what, Riles, the progression from first to second to third, I think, has been a steady climb up. Character development has it, been fantastic. It has been, hasn't it? Yeah, I remember Ant Man from the first one where he's just like a thief. Yep. And now he's like. A responsible Avenger. Avenger and father. Yes. Telling his daughter not to steal. <laughs> I'd say that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. That was that was really well done. Um, I liked I liked the depth of the quantum realm. I thought they had some uh, just they leaned into the weirdness right. of it, which was fantastic. I mean, there were probably fifty different like species of people groups that we saw or that I can sort of kind of say I could count out. Um, but that was great, right? You don't just have humanoids walking around. You have actual like plasma beings and just unique as all get out from the broccoli person was probably the most uh, hilariously absurd. And I'm glad they didn't spend too much time there. Oh, right. But uh yeah, I'm getting flashbacks to, to Thor and the Dumpling King, uh, or the Dumpling God. Oh, my, I forgot great. about that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, there's genuine creativity in, in the goofiness there. You know, someone said, and I forget who that I was having this conversation with, that the uh, it felt like MCU's Star Wars movie with just the variety of creatures. I thought that's a fair comparison or parallel, at least in that respect, with the different people groups. Yeah, see, there's one difference, though. With Star Wars, I'm like, I'm good with all the different planets. Yeah. I don't need to go back to the quantum realm anytime soon. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's cool. Yeah. But I don't need to go back. Yeah. There's no reason to go back. That's that's fair. (laughs) There's no reason to go back. There are no Ewoks. No. There's no Yoda. No. There's a guy who wanted holes real bad, oh. but that was about it. Oh, my The, the jelly guy. <laughs> okay, speaking of absurd things, let's just bask in the hilarity that was MODOK. Because that was so, so funny. It, it made sense. That is, it you, actually made sense. I'll tell you what. From what I remember in comics and all this other stuff... It, it was so weird that Modoc had a big head and, like, small and tiny arms. Mm-hmm. They made this make sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could ever make that make sense, but they did. Now, the CGI face is a little weird. Yeah. It felt like... The <laughs> I'm not sure how truly intentional the finished product was. It felt like they ran out of time. A little bit. <laughs> just just with the face. Like, everything else worked, but it was right. almost like, and I hated, I hated the, like, the robot face at first, because I'm sure. like, oh, sure. great. 
we're gonna have this. I'd rather have the actual face. And then after watching that, I was like, it might give me the shield. It, the face it might have just worked out better for them if they would have had his face covered up the whole time because <laughs> it didn't look real. Like you could Correct. definitely tell it was CGI. Correct. You know, you've had CGI before in the past where it's worked really well, and this this did not work. How do we have a beautifully yep. working Iron Man armor and then we have just a horribly spread out CGI face. Yeah, it, it, it did. It, it felt like something that I would do. Like if I was tasked with, hey, so shrink this guy's arms and legs and make his head bigger. Like I just stretched. That's it. It wasn't, it wasn't crisp. And I have a hard time buying in that it wasn't meant to be. It worked for the last because we weren't supposed to take the character of Modok seriously. No. It, it was there almost exclusively as a, as a humorous piece. So in that respect, it worked. But it was borderline distracting from a visual perspective of, I'm laughing, but also, darn, what? <laughs> but it made sense that it was Darren Cross. It made absolute sense. Because all the way back to the first Ant-Man movie, which great pull to find a way to connect a thread from the first to this, the fact that Darren didn't actually get killed. He just got shrunk down to an infinitesimal size to where we don't know where he is. It turns out he's in the quantum realm. Of course. Of course. Now, does it make a lot of sense that Kang finds him and repurposes him enough, I guess, since Kang is desperate to get out of the quantum realm and this is a dude that came from where Kang wants to get to? Um, and he's smart enough. Smart enough. Yep. Smart enough, and he had enough value to, you know, recognize the signal from the beacon that Cassidy made. Cassidy, Cassie made. So okay, he provided some value. Uh, what bothered me was, on the one hand, he's this. It just depended on the situation. If they needed him to be this incredible, outrageous instrument of destruction, he was. But as soon as it was time for him to shoot stature, the dude couldn't hit anything other than the floor. Like, his shots were useless. He goes from living humanoid buzzsaw to just a dude with a water gun running around. That, that, was, a little, that was a little tough. It's like, can we, can we pick a lane here for him? Like, either he's going to be effective or he's not. It felt very plot devicey. Well, it's it's also kind of like you know the stormtroopers in Star Wars. Oh my gosh! When it's a main yeah. character, they can't hit. Nope. But when it's just regular old when it's citizens, Joe Rebel, yep, you're yep, done, Joe. done, dead. Goodbye. Yep. Boom. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Which okay, I I, I I don't love that. Again, he's supposed to be incredible, and sometimes he wasn't. Till it was time to tangle with the, the main character. So, but he was genuinely hilarious. The fact that he thought he died in adventure was great. And like you said, I'm glad they didn't try and take the guy seriously. He's a giant freaking head. Marvel's done an incredible job with these movies of making certain characters that have no business being taken seriously, take seriously, hence Ant-Man, hence third Ant-Man movie. Kang is a bridge too far. Thank goodness they didn't try to have us take him seriously. Yeah. The laughs were perfect. It was? Yeah, absolutely perfect. Well executed. Yeah, very good. Okay. 
Now, this is supposed to be Ant-Man and the Wasp. Maybe it was, if we want to say, hey, Janet, the original Wasp, she got a lot more screen time than I ever would have anticipated, okay? Hope really got shortchanged in this movie, Riles. It's, to me, it felt like they kind of dialed her back a little bit yep. to focus on Scott's daughter, mm-hmm. which, again, I didn't have a problem with. I thought sure. it worked really well. Yeah. And they kind of let her deal with her mother yep. and trying to figure yeah. out all the things that of with her mother and her mother's past, which I think is very important for her character. Sure. But yeah, I thought it was really weird that Janet was... Janet was more of a focal point in this movie than almost Ant-Man himself. Yep. Like, it was probably... he's She was up there with him. He's probably got 52%. She's got 48 Yeah, it's close. As far as the protagonist's go. Right. Yep. Which, again, that's just kind of crazy that she's... Yeah. And it worked. I don't think it didn't work. Agreed. It's just... And she held her own, too, which... Props to her at 70 for doing a sliding kick. Do you remember that? <laughs> she had a sliding kick. I'm like, bro, if I can do that at 70, we're in business. I'm aging well. I'm aging well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's the part of the story that, if again, if I look too closely, I go, feels a little, feels a little thin. Like, how much of the situation could have been avoided? Avoided. Right? If Janet just, you know, is a little more forthright. And one of the pieces that it's too big of a nit to ignore, I think you brought this up when we were conversing a couple days ago. Uh, what about the fact that at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, after they retrieve Janet from the quantum realm, they're sending Scott at the end of the movie into the quantum realm, and Janet has no qualms, no hesitations. Right. That's a significant inconsistency. And they did not, in my opinion, they didn't even effort a way to explain or provide some kind of rationale for for why why that was the case, why the difference in approaches. I mean, they're giddy to go into the quantum realm at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Let's, let's search, let's explore, let's find out. This is great. We know we can come back. And Janet's on board. She's right there. And yet we start this movie and she's got quantum realm PTSD, isn't talking about it. That, that's just such a stark contrast. That was too bad to see that in this. I think they could have found, could have found a way to help explain, hey, here, here's why the difference in demeanor or at least ease into it a little bit. See, and, you know, I was just thinking about this because I was like, you know, the quantum realm is, has never been consistent with what mm-hmm. it is. But it's even in this movie, it wasn't consistent. No. So like. No. Just cheat code. Right. Because if you even think about it in this movie, they come out and they come back in to whatever time they come back to, and it seems like it's normal time. They weren't gone that super long. Correct. Um, but the ants that went in went through. I believe Hank said like a thousand years worth of knowledge in one trip. Right. In one fall. How That's did, pretty good. And yet, Paul Rudd and all the rest of them are fine? 
They're the same. They're unchanged. But, and then you can even go further and be like, okay, well, when he gets stuck at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, he said five hours was worth five years. Yep. So you're thinking an hour, hour in the quantum three. realm. Yeah. That... It still doesn't make sense right. because they were definitely in the quantum realm longer Please. than yeah Please. right right so you would think uh-huh. oh fifty years passed uh-huh. when we when we went in and came uh-huh. out can and you then imagine that would have been mind blowing right they come out right. whoa hey can we get that can guy back we'd like to rewind time we just missed fifty years right but even in Endgame when they're going back in time yep. and they're originally screwing around with it with yep. with uh, Scott. Right. He turns into a baby and an old man. <laughs> so clearly, the quantum realm is a mixed bag. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's... Hey, what do you want the rules to be for your movie? That's really what it is. It's a mixed bag. It doesn't and, make, it doesn't make full point, sense. No, no, it, it doesn't. And, and it's not supposed to be, probably. Yeah, and I think this is where it gets... Uh, it gets messy, and by messy, I mean distracting, right? Because part of what was and has been so special about the first three phases of the MCU is that they largely made sense. Like, there was an intentional effort where it's like, hey, this logic needs to stack on top of the logic of previous movies and set up future movies, and we we haven't really found that yet as it pertains to the quantum realm and as you said hey I don't really want to go back there they probably need to take a break from the quantum realm like get out of there because right. if they hang around and keep using it as this you know infinite source of hey what what is the plot of your story need well the quantum realm can do that for you it's it's gonna it's just that's not a good foundation to build on so yeah, that was that part was that part was certainly was certainly tough. Okay, let's talk variants and Kang, as we were explained or as was explained to us in this movie, this Kang that we're getting right from the comics, we know Kang the Conqueror. That's how this version of Kang was presented. But something the MCU is obviously leaning into is the multiverse, and so this version of Kang was exiled, as it turns out, by variants of himself, which is awesome concept, right? Who do you get exiled by? Himself. <laughs> That's great. So one question that I've got for you is we were made to believe that this Kang was exceptionally powerful, nigh unbeatable except by himself, and yet he does get beaten. Since he gets beaten by Ant-Man and the Wasp, which no one's arguing, they're not the most powerful or formidable of the Avengers. Does that mean this king on the tier of, let's say it's a scale of 0 to 100, is this like a mid-tier or low-tier king? Like, is this a guy that's in the 20s or the 50s in terms of power, and there's some like, 90s out there hovering over our heads? I wonder. I wonder. I'm thinking mid to mid-high. Okay, not all okay. the way at 100. Yep. But firstly... If he got exiled by a bunch of other Kangs, mm-hmm. it was a bunch of them. It they wasn't just one, one yep. right? Fair. So it was a bunch Fair. of them. Yep. Number two, he kind of beat himself. His arrogance is what beat him, okay? He was desperate for his thing to work so he could get out of there. He only wants to play a 4-3 defense. It's third and 15, put it in a nickelback. Right, exactly. So... 
I mean, one v one fight. If Wasp doesn't step in, uh, Scott's dead. Uh, very. Scott was beaten pretty badly. To, to it was rough looking at him. Yeah. So she steps in, and then they kind of have that like point where they can push him back, but they didn't really beat him. They kind of used their environment in their favor. Sure. Sure. I don't think they knew. Overwhelming. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think they knew that that little thing was going to suck him in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they knew that. Mm-hmm. And I think they were hoping to buy enough time to get back through the portal and leave him stuck there. Sure. So I think it was just a stall tactic. Right. A, a win kind of thing. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to put him 70. Yeah. Out of 100. 70, right? Yes. 70. I'm comfortable with that. 68 to 72. Yeah. Yep. I'm comfortable with that because I, I am in agreement that, hey, he's not going to be the toughest king that we're going to see. But by no means is he the weakest either. He's got some pop. Right? I think I think we saw the weakest. And I think the weakest is dead. And I think that's he who remains. He might be the cleverest, though. I mean, think about what he who remains pulled off. Right. But then he also let them kill him. And I remember, here's what I remember, because you're absolutely right. He let Sylvie, one of the Loki variants, kill him. And I remember, I didn't remember until I rewatched that episode. The Lokis ask him, like, what, why are we, why are you here? Because he is propositioning them to take over the TVA. Like, he's saying, I'm, I'm ready to be done. And they're like, what, why would you give up all this power? He's like, I'm old, like older than you know. I've lived a million lifetimes. This is a young man's game, and I'm ready to be out. Like, he just gets bored, right? Like, he's won, and that's it. There's no other conquering to do. Um, So it would be fascinating to have that version of Kang revisited at some point. But regardless of how you cut it up, whatever version of Kang you're getting, (laughs) dude, Scene stealer. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So I'm excited by the prospect of uh, of additional Kangs, uh, and we're going to get plenty of those, plenty of those moving forward. Were you surprised at all to get to the end of the movie? A couple things. First of all, real quick, we got to hit on the fact that nobody died. Nobody died. Nobody. And Hank made it. And Modoc, I think they could be like, yeah. He's back. Yeah, you could bring Modoc back. It could have been one of because you know how hilarious it would be if it was like, oh yeah, it was a fake out, and it was because I'm in control of the heart monitor. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Very possible. Right. So, but other than him, yeah, everyone. I could not believe that Hank made it. Absolutely, could not believe it. I was surprised. He came close to dying. And he also had one of the most badass entrances in the entire movie with all mm-hmm. the ants. Yep. Yep. Hank's getting savvy in the old. You know, the old age, the That's elder true. years, using the dome. Yes, he taking is. Taking advantage of the ant people. It's good for... Somebody good for has to. Yeah. I, I, I really couldn't believe that. But no, nobody, uh, none of our heroes died, which, okay, I'm, I'm all right with. I'm not upset that Michael Douglas will be hanging around more and Michelle Pfeiffer. They're great to watch. I love it. They're wildly entertaining. Um, so that was surprising. That's all we need to say about how mistaken we were about Hank Pym dying. Horribly mistaken. He would have lost money on that bet. Yep, same here. Chunk of it. Were you surprised at the sheer number of Kang variants that were shown to us in that end credits scene? I mean, it was hundreds. 
right? Yes. He was a lot, Riles. Yes and no, because the Council of Kangs is very prominent. Yep. Not in comics. Thing in the comics. Right. Yeah. I'm. I guess I'm surprised that they introduced the council right away, but they still focused on some of the ones that you think they would focus on. Mm-hmm. Like Ramatut is one of the most famous Kang variants. Sure. Amortis is one of the other famous Kang variants. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other two, I think one was Scarlet Centurion. There was four, wasn't there? The three that you just mentioned are the three that I can clearly recall. Okay, maybe it's just those three. Yeah. By the way, I'm super excited for Ramatut. That dude looks dope. Mm-hmm. That dude you has throw an, the Egyptian headdress on a guy, and all of a sudden, that dude whatever an, he was at, he goes another level. That dude is an Egyptian king. By the way, that was the first appearance that fought the Fantastic Four. So yeah, nice, good pull on your part. I'll bet that would be when he shows up. Anyways, there you go. But yeah, I give. I'm, uh, I'm surprised they figured out how to animate all that. <laughs> well, there's that. Here's what surprises me about it: the Kings now. There's this infinite number of universes, so it could just be a small percent. Like hundreds could be a pretty small percentage of infinite, right? That's right. not actually a lot. For as adversarial as it has seemed up to this point that kings are towards each other, I know the Council of Kings exists, but I'm thinking of like 12 of these guys that find a way to get along. This was a lot more than I would have expected, and I understand being gathered together doesn't automatically mean, hey, they get along. But there is some kind of collaboration going on there. So I was surprised at the sheer number, but I'm not bothered by it. It just surprised me. They'll probably backstab each other. (laughs) You got to hope so. Oh, you think so. Here's, okay. So on that topic of variance, but before we get too far off track, I I shouldn't divert too quickly. Anything else that pertains to this movie... Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, that you want to hit on before we uh, divert off of a different path into a different layer of the quantum realm. It's dope. Go watch it. It is. Uh, Don't go look at movie reviews. Rotten Tomatoes is terrible in the sense of all all of these movie critiques. Go watch it yourself. Make your own opinion, Okay. This movie's not for critics. This movie is for people who have been watching the Ant-Man movies. So I think personally what they need to do is if there is a series of movies, they need to rate that as a whole in the series. Yeah, I'm 100% in alignment as it pertains to why, why go out there and just see what a mass of other people think about a about a story. Like, by all means, curate others whose opinion you want to know about, right? Certain friends, family members, a certain podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But just like we've said multiple times, whenever we're doing a top five or whenever we're discussing our opinions, it's just our perspective. It's just our point of view. And not only that, it's just our personal preference, right? Like, there are going to be certain movies, certain characters, certain comics that we you know, gravitate towards that we enjoy more so than others and why you need to be told by someone else, Hey, this is good or bad. I don't think you need that. I think instead you can be part of the dialogue, have discussion and exchange ideas with people, but don't open yourself up to the absolute dark abyss that is 
Rotten Tomatoes and online reviews. Come on. You can afford it. Go see a good movie or ask us if it's good or not, and we'll tell you because we're paying to go see it just so that you don't have to. You know, it's like the old saying goes, opinions are like buttholes. Everyone has one. They really do. Some are stinky. Mm -hmm. Some are clean because they wipe. Mm. We really leaned into that. Yes. (laughs) That's good. I agree. Very entertaining movie. Very much enjoyed. So I'm going to watch that one again, and I'm really going to enjoy it. That's great. All right, so let's talk variants real quick, mm-hmm. okay? I don't yes. think until we were prepping for this pod, I had really considered how many variants we have seen up to this point. I didn't either because my head it's went wild. my head went the Kangs that we all just saw. Yep, and the Lokis. Yep, that's where my head went. Right, and I forgot about the other ones. Oh my! And then you're like Spider Man. I'm like. Toby! Right. I forgot about Toby. Yes. We had two Spider-Man variants. Yep. And Toby and Andrew. Right. And then who else did we have? We had another variant, too. We've had a ton of variants, Riley. The Doctor Strange movie has all of the Doctor Strange variants. You have Wanda variants. You have a Mordo you have, variant. You have, you have a Mordo variant. You've got Professor Xavier. You know, Do you Mr. count that Fantastic. as a variant? They are. By the definition of the variant, as it's defined... In the MCU, an alternate character or different character in a different universe. I mean, shoot, you want to go back to Endgame, okay? Gamora and Nebula, we get variants of those characters. Shoot, you can get a variant of Thanos. It's wild. Now, not to the extreme of He Who Remains and Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, Thanos Thanos is a weird one because it's like... Oh, they're very a younger adjacent. Thanos, right? They're yeah, very yeah. adjacent. They're, they're they're the same personality, different times. But every character, as we come to find out in the Loki show, is a variant, right? That's one of the big reveals in the show is that hey, everyone that's working for the TVA, uh, you're all variants, all of you. That's pretty wild. So I, I'm impressed at how well, and maybe I'm just. <laughs> Maybe everybody who's listening to this is going, well, yeah, dude, duh. Um, But I'm impressed at how well and how detailed Marvel has been at unwrapping that particular uh, layer of Phase 4 and Phase 5 and the phases to come. That's really well done. They've, They've eased into that in a very deliberate and yet thorough way that in, you know, upon reflection, I can really respect and that's exciting to think about all the variants we've seen so far. It makes me very eager for more. I don't know about you. Well, and it it surprisingly worked well. Yes. Like it wasn't yes. like, oh, great. It's a different version of yep. this person and then right. they died. Right. And it's like, ugh. And it wasn't that bad. It hasn't been that bad yet. No. No. And I, if anybody was mad that Toby came back, they can fight me. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, and Andrew Garfield was... And Andrew. I will fight for Andrew, too. Wow, right? Who saw that coming? So that, I agree, that's been quite delightful. Quite delightful so far. I hope and expect that that will continue. So along those lines, we thought it'd be fun to do a top five of... Top five. Yes. Another classic, JP and the Beans. Top five. Variants that we would like to see in future... MCU films. I'm curious to see if we're going to even have anything similar on this. 
Yeah, I have no idea. This this because this can be anything. Oh, absolutely. So this is just who we want to see. Right. Total personal preference here, not necessarily predicting, just more of a hey, this is what we'd like to see. This is what we would find entertaining. I, I think we're gonna have I, I'm I think we're gonna have one or two. But I think there's gonna be a lot of differences here. So I bet we have one. Okay. I have an idea. Love it. What that one could be. All right. Riley, you go first. At number five. Number five. Mm-hmm. I have a very controversial one. Oh, great. And by that, I mean it was controversial when he first came into existence. I'm going with Hydra Cap. Ah, now, like here's that. what would be great about that, is if he came over from a different universe sure. and told people, hey, I'm this universe's Captain America. Ha-ha. <laughs> and then switch. That's how you could do it. I think mm-hmm. it would be great. And I think it would give Chris Evans, you know, be like a refreshing break from being Captain America, yet, but yet still being Captain America. Mm-hmm. And he could pull it off. Oh, he could do it. He could pull it off. Did you see uh, the Netflix movie The Gray Man with him? And, uh-uh. uh, but he's the bad guy uh, in it, isn't he? Yeah. Jimmy oh, Christmas. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, the Russo brothers directed that movie. Um, correct. He plays the bad guy. A bad, a bad guy named Lloyd, by the way, which is Lloyd. fantastic. Uh, and he does he executes it very well. So I could see him being hydrocapped and can, enjoying it. He can nail douchebag really well. <laughs> Gotta give him props. Yeah. He was Johnny Storm for two movies. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's a good call. Okay, I like that one. All right. My number five, I'm staying on the Kang thing here for a minute. I'd like to see a good Kang that wants to help the Avengers. But here, here's kind of my pitch, okay? He's not very powerful. He's one of the weaker Kangs, okay? So by good, I don't necessarily mean that he's altruistic. It's just that we talked about that tier of 0 to 100. He's in the single digits, okay? He's not that imposing, but he's highly motivated to take down all of his variants. And so you go from having this, like, extraordinarily powerful, you know, number of Kangs that can just wreak all kinds of havoc to this dude. He's a little measly and pathetic, but he just desperately wants to win. And so he teams up with the Avengers. I can see that being kind of hilarious. So... Good king. Money. Number five. Okay. You brought up Hydra Cap. I like that. I see your Hydra Cap, and I raise you for my number four, an old Captain America. Ah, bring him back when he's Uh just an old fart. That's right. Bring back the old Cap. Let him oversee the development, for example, of all these new Avengers. Popping stories about, well, back in the day, me and Hawkeye and Black Widow, right? We're on the run. It would be fantastic. It would be fantastic. He's cracking wise. Everybody's like, this dude's washed up. All of a sudden, boom, shield ends up in his hand, and wham, he's taken down. Take your pick. Freaking Moon Knight. Mark Spector is on the ground. Has no idea what's happened because he blacked out because that's what Mark Spector does. Too soon. Tough. Tough. But old Cap, I would find that absolutely delightful. So, old Cap, my number four. Your number four, Riles. My number four. Takes me back to the 1940s with the old shield. I'm going with classic Nick Fury. Ah. And by classic Nick Fury, I don't mean Samuel L. Jackson. I mean like... Sorry, Sam. I mean Earth 616 Mm -hmm. Nick Fury. Caucasian. I just ha- I just like the idea of having that Nick Fury yeah. in the same room as Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury, and then just watching the two Nick Furies 
beef off each idea. other. You know yeah, what I mean? That's an absolutely great idea. Because they would just they'd be they would be suspicious of each other the Can entire Tommy time. Play Nick Fury. That that is honestly a fantastic choice. Thank well you. done. Thank you. Well done. Right. That's one person I did not think of. That would be fantastic It'd for be that. Great. Yes, an old Tommy Lee Jones. You bet. Nick Fury. Yeah. I think seeing a classic Nick Fury would be awesome. It's either Tommy Lee Jones or if they hadn't already cast him as Thunderbolt Ross, Harrison Ford. Bring him in. He wouldn't have been bad. No. I, no. I, maybe when, if he, when he was a little younger. Sure. But he sure. would have been great. Yeah. No, Tommy would be great. I see, because I also think Harrison Ford could have been a, a great old Captain America, too. Oh, my. Yeah. 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 So. Very salty. Right. Very salty. Right. That's great. So that's great my number four. four. Great number four. We got number three. My number three. Is Miles Morales. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. it's about time we bring Miles in. Now, mm-hmm. I'm hoping for like maybe after Spider-Man 4, because I, I want I want Peter to be established as his own superhero by himself before he takes on somebody else under his wing. Yeah. So I'm thinking like Spidey 4, maybe Spidey 5, he starts taking on okay. Miles. So that's when I'd like to see Miles Morales. But I think that'd be dope to see him and Peter together on screen. Yep. Yeah. No, it's a great pick. My number three, I'm staying with the elderly. This time we're going with old King Thor. All right. This is heavily inspired by the comic that I talked about so much prior to the release of Thor 4, where you've got old King Thor present-day Thor and young Thor all partnering together to try and take down Gore, the God Butcher. Now, in the comic, Old King Thor has outlived <coughs> everybody in Asgard. Like, literally everyone else in Asgard is dead, killed by Gore. And Gore is really, at this point, just messing with Old King Thor. Like, he is sending his mongrel hordes to do battle with Old King Thor just enough to keep the guy interested and engaged and alive but never to actually totally finish him off because he wants, Gore that is, wants to save Old King Thor for the final coup de gras at the very end of his God Bomb scheme. But Old King Thor, when he pairs up with present day Thor and young Thor, what's great about him is he does exactly what the old guy should do. He gives those two Thors so much crap, endless crap. Like he is constantly telling them about how weak they are, how it's a shame that neither of them have beards because, of course, he has a beard. And that he can't believe how dumb he was when he was that young. And now that he's seeing them, he's like, I can't believe I was this foolish and stupid. It's incredible. The dialogue is top-notch. So if you're going to have Old King Thor, you, of course, have to pair him up with present-day Thor. But that would just be endless fun. So that's where I'm at with my number three, Old King Thor. My number two? Magneto, and a very specific Magneto, as portrayed by Michael Das Bender. Fun fact, that would be the one that I forgot for this list. <laughs> There's always yeah. the one. Right, right, right. I remembered it. Fun fact, though. I remembered him before. Yeah, yeah. You brought him up. Yep. And yep. I was going to bring him up as an honorable mention. Sure. Because he would probably be number two on this list yeah, for yeah. me as well. But yes, Michael Fassbender, Magneto. Oh my goodness. Please continue. He's just, he's perfect. Perfect. He's perfectly cast for that role. And when you bring him in, no mas, no more anti-hero. Give me Magneto as the bad guy who has embraced the, no, um, 
I'm doing this because I believe that mutants are the superior species, humans are dog meat, and so mutants are going to take over. This is just how it's supposed to be. I would love to see him lean into that. Mind you, I thought his portrayal was terrific as the conflicted anti-hero in the X-Men, call it first class, you know, origin story and saga. But when he leans into the the bad dude, that is top notch. Fast Bunder is incredible. Badass. Give He's me, a badass. Give me that Magneto all day long. That's my number two. My number two. Bring me Superior Iron Man. Ooh. Bring back Robert Downey Jr., but he's not so good of a guy. Uh-huh. I think I yeah. think he could... Again, I, I think... I almost went this direction. I love that you're going there. Right, and I think this goes along with the Chris Evans thing. I think if you give Robert Downey Jr. the same character with a different take, I think that's enticing enough for him to be like, okay, yep. I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then just to watch him go to work yeah. and actually dismantle some people mm-hmm. as Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine Superior Iron Man in Secret Wars versus... Well, Peter Parker, Spider Man, that would be tough for Peter. Yeah. So yeah, I think the possibilities there are, and then that goes for all the Avengers too that are still around. Correct. Thor versus Correct. an evil Iron Man, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So Superior Iron Man, my number two. That's a great number and two. Give him the sweet white symbiotic armor. Yeah. From the comics. Yeah. Love it. All right. Who do you got? Number one. My number one. You already mentioned him. I have Old Man Thor as my number one. Ah, yes. I would love to see Chris Hemsworth be an old Thor. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him like kind of be like this grandfather over a bunch of other people, you know? Mm-hmm. And just kind of see him be like, oh, yeah, I'm old, but I'm still going to destroy everyone here. <laughs> right? So I think... Well, the comics, he has, like, the arm of the destroyer. Oh, it's, it's bad. Great. It's badass. It's great. Old King Thor is a badass. Yeah. So... Yep. And then... He's got the Thor Force. It's not the right? Thor Force anymore. It's the Thor Force. Right? Missing an eyeball, because yep. they all do. Yeah. Has two crows, because they all do. Mm-hmm. I'm all in. And he has three granddaughters too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have some fun with that if you want to, but yeah. not not really yeah. my big thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, and like you said, I think seeing an old Chris Hemsworth oh. with a middle, like, well, oh. not middle aged, but like, his present day, yes. yes, that would be oh. phenomenal. It would be phenomenal. Yeah, it would just be absolute gold. That's great. That's great. I love that pick. My number one, give me World Breaker Hulk at okay. number one. All right, so World War Hulk is an exquisite comic storyline. And we have had pieces, moments, instances of outstanding Hulk content in the movies, but I have not had my fill of Hulk. I want the Hulk that is out of control and has no interest in stopping, rampaging, and having there being a real question of, can this guy actually be stopped? And if you think about it, we only had that for three movies. I know. We had it for The Incredible Hulk, Avengers, Avengers 2. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Ragnarok. A little bit there. of Ragnarok, yep. yeah. But yep. he was still a little bit more, I don't know. He wasn't, like, letting loose. Mm-hmm. I, what I did like about Ragnarok's Hulk is he, he had a personality. True. Which True. was a lot better than... Gorilla noises. That's fine. 
Yeah, that's that's fair. But you're that's absolutely fair. right. World Breaker Hulk, you bring in the most badass form of the right. Hulk. I want him to have already conquered a world, become its king, and the idea that he was originally exiled by his fellow Avengers from Earth to this world, and now he's coming back for vengeance, is awesome. Absolutely awesome. So give me the Planet Hulk, World War Hulk version of Hulk, and I would just be absolutely delighted by that variant. 100% in. Love to see it. So that's my number one. That's a great top five. I think it's a fantastic you top five. You absolutely called it. Just the one overlap. That's great. Great variety there. Hence, variants. I, again, I'm delighted by what has been revealed so far. And I think what is encouraging to me about that is it would be very easy, Riley, for the variants thing to get out of hand. But it shows some measure of... Uh, necessary measure of balance and control where they haven't just leaned into the potential cheat code that the variants can be. Where it's like, oh, we didn't actually want to kill that character. Let's just bring him back. Now, this can be tempting. They've already done it with Gamora. But I don't think we're going to get that direct of one-for-one you know, replacement. I think there will be some teases, but I don't think... I don't think it's going to get out of hand. That's my hope anyway. Well, they've been doing it in a really good way in the sense of each of those have felt like their own character. Mm -hmm. And so when they die, it still sucks. But you're like, oh, I still get a different version. Yeah. Kind of makes room for that next version. Right. Yep. So like if, if Iron Man comes back or if Cap comes back, I don't feel like it's going to cheapen. Mm. The comeback, if they're a variant, okay, and also if they die as that variant, mm-hmm. it's going to be like, it's going to be a whole different thing. Yeah. Because they are, to me, that is their own character. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, that's a good point. So as long as they keep that. Yeah. Yeah. Time will tell. I mean, we've already, again, seen many a variant, and uh, we clearly are going to see many, many more. Gamora so. will be the real test. Yeah. See how this works. Yeah, that'll be that'll be just the next and latest test. We got a couple months to go until we get a little bit of GOG three. Yes. That'll be fun. That's great. Anything else you want to hit on, my man? That is all I got. A lot of fun. Love that Ant Man and Lost Quantumania chat. Another great top five. Look at us just dishing it out early for the good people as well. Early. Oh, we'll probably still release this on Friday. That's fine. Whatever you hear, whatever you hear, pretend that's early. <laughs> We're at that point where I'm like, we might as well just wait till Friday. Nah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Why not? Originally, it was going to be the last Friday. It's okay though. So, but I just wanted you to be aware of that Fair. before. It's like you're, you're waiting all day tomorrow for that's the new great. episode. I'm like, uh, is it coming? Well, that way we just stay on track. That's great. That's great. So, love it. But if you like this, come check us out on YouTube, JP and the Beanstalk, TikTok, Magic Beans Productions. That's all I got today. Appreciate you tuning in. Yeah. Love you guys. Godspeed. Mm.